0: So, you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com. That's JoinMIDI.com.
1: Welcome again to Patriots Fourth and Two. I am Russ Goldman. Along with me, as always, is Steve Balsteri and Derek Havens. We are all Patsfans.com bloggers. On today's show, we will continue our discussion on the Patriots off season so far, and there is plenty to get to. We do have a full show, but before we get going, I always have to say hi to my co host first. Derek, how are you doing this morning, my friend?
2: Doing pretty good, Russ. Um trying to get back on track. My turn of clock fell off. I spent the last week and a half in arizona visiting family and uh now i'm back in boston and getting ready for the draft only about 30 days away i'm getting excited
1: excellent have you found our house derek
2: Um, yeah no i'm look i'm looking for that uh it was a tri-level split home you know big backyard. you know we gotta get that big we gotta get that big uh, round table for the discussion looking forward for it
1: (laughs) good stuff there derek (laughs) Steve, how are, you, how are you doing, my friend? I know that you were a little under the weather last week.
3: Yeah, I'm still kind of under the weather, but I'm feeling a heck of a lot better than I am, uh, than I was, I should say, um, last week. You know, these uh, these darn head colds and the flu and sinus infections are awful this time of year. But, you know, hey, it uh, seems like we're finally done with winter, and it seems like spring is starting to bring the brows here in
1: New England. Absolutely. Listen, it's
3: that. a beautiful day here. I'm
1: looking right outside my window and uh Steve, I do have a recommendation for you and everyone in Patriots Nation. Floney. So it actually works out real well for me so far. So I'd recommend you can actually get it over the counter. I don't have a promotional deal with them. I'm just again this is my <laughs> own recommendation. Floney, Steve.
2: That's weird, because was, was actually wearing a Flonase t-shirt at training camp. I'm starting to pick some things up here, Steve. I'm not getting a check from that. I'm not getting a check from getting that. I'm getting nothing
1: so. from Flonase except uh, a little bit of, of relief from my allergies. So thank you, Flonase. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into the show. And let's start with the latest in Pat's news. Again, it's been two weeks since we've done a show, and I'm definitely going through some withdrawal. I mentioned this to you, Derek. I've missed talking to you and also... Miss mis- talking to you, Steve, but uh, I'll start with you, Derek. Since the last show, the Patriots signed a few cornerbacks, Bradley Fletcher and Robert McClain. What are your thoughts on these signings, and what type of role do you see each player having in the upcoming season?
2: You know, we briefly mentioned uh, the potential Bradley signing on the last show. You know, I knew that people weren't going to be happy about it. Uh, you know, Based on uh, his year last year with the Eagles, you know, Bradley Fletcher is a guy who has a decent size, for, for a cornerback, and, you know, actually had a decent uh, couple of years with the St. Louis Rams, but the Eagles last year, he was constantly beat. Uh, you know, he, a lot of people remember the game against Fitz Bryant where he left three touchdowns. I I I think with Fletcher overall, uh, you have to just kind of bring him in and say, okay, here's a guy who we, we think can, uh, you know, can help us out. He had a bad year last year. The secondary wasn't good in general. Um, You know, we could see what he can do, bring him in for some competition. And I think I've heard a couple of people bring up some talk about maybe playing him at safety. Uh, You know, I I guess you can't really rule anything out. Obviously, the Patriots have to have him accorded. But but Patrick Chung, you know, you could easily talk me into, you know, maybe upgrading over him or adding some depth behind him, whatever you wanted to do. I think for both Fletcher, Russ, and McCain, I could see them – the Patriots rather just kind of bringing in these guys and put, you know, throwing them against the wall and seeing if they stick for lack of a better phrase. Um, you know, McClain to me, it seems like he'd be better primarily in the slot given his size. I believe he's only about five, nine compared to Fletcher. who's about six feet tall. And, you know, McClain had a decent year, uh, at times last year, but really, but really was asked to do a lot more than he was probably comfortable with and was exposed because of it. So, I don't think you're going to look at either one of these guys, say this is a you know one of our saviors. Um, I, I think really what they're going to try to do is just bring a bunch of guys in. I don't think they're done. I think they're going to bring in another veteran or so and probably draft at least one cornerback and then have one big competition in training camp. So that's going to be the big group to watch, obviously, because there's you know a, a lot of concern there as of right now.
1: See, Derek, I definitely agree with your take, and that's the way I'm looking at it. Steve, are you looking at it like Derek and I, or do you have a different take on these two players coming in?
3: Well, you know, I I look at these guys, and they're they're coming in with a clean slate, and the uh, coaching staff is obviously you know, going to give them a shot to work themselves into a uh, starting position. I don't know. I mean, uh, I think Fletcher, you know, talking to some people – Fletcher was looked at as a guy that struggled last year really badly in Philadelphia, but uh, the consensus is that he may surprise some people. So we're going to have to wait and see. I mean, uh, I think McClain is more of a slot kind of guy that, you know, they already have that covered with Arrington, but I mean, I think he'll be a depth kind of guy, but he can play on the outside, but he wasn't very good at it. Um, But I'm looking at Fletcher as the kind of guy that when he comes in, you know, we're going to expect him to, uh, you know, have a clean slate here and let's see what he can do. I do think right now if the season started, he'd probably be your number two corner.
1: Interesting take there, Steve. And, uh, listen, you know – I'm looking forward to training camp because I think this is going to be the number one battle. Derek, you've already mentioned this. You know, everyone's going to be looking at the cornerback position. We're certainly going to be talking about that during the show today because I want to get your thoughts on a cornerback that I think is being overlooked a little bit, and that's, uh, that's Malcolm Butler. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Steve, back over to you again. I saw this. I want to say yesterday, or it might have been the day before, reportedly free agent linebacker Rolando McClain was in for a visit with the Patriots. Would you like to see the Patriots sign the player, or would you not want to see, see the Patriots sign him? I'm curious your thoughts on this player. There's there's definitely some controversy with this player, seriously.
3: Well, you know, uh, I kind of wanted to see them sign him, but I, I heard this morning that he is going to sign back with the Dallas Cowboys. So okay. we, we, we definitely lost out on him. I did want to see them pick him up because uh, even though he's had some checkered off field issues and checkered is being politically correct there. Um, you know, they, they have a need right now. Uh, You know, Gerard Mayo is coming back from two serious injuries the past two seasons and Dante Hightower is going to be out six to seven months. So he'll probably not be ready at the start of the season. So they need some depth, especially inside. You look at all their linebackers and, uh, you know, uh, you, you look at these guys and Jonathan and Casillas and the key were gone. So you have Jonathan Freeney, Dante Skinner, Eric Martin, Darius Fleming, Chris White, Cameron Gordon, and James Morris. None of those guys have a lot of playing experience. So they do need some depth there. I was hoping they were going to be able to bring McLean in, uh, but they couldn't get it done. I think he probably wanted too much money.
1: No, very interesting take. And yes, according to NFL.com, and I didn't see this before we started the show, that uh, he has agreed to a deal back with the uh, Dallas Cowboys. But uh, Derek, I want to go to you. Uh, what are your thoughts about about the Patriots bringing him in to uh, for a visit? And uh, would you have liked the Patriots to have signed this flyer?
2: Well, yeah, I would have. I would have liked to see him be brought in because I do think he could be um, a potential um, fit here, especially. You know, with how he played last year, he had a very good season. He kind of filled the stat sheet, if you will. Um, you know, like Steve said, there certainly comes with a little bit of trepidation because of his past. These guys kind of seems a little bit unstable. He has retired, I believe, twice. Um, and but he has some good size, and he had a good year. Now he's not coming here because he, like you guys are talking about, he's going with Dallas. But Steve brought up some good points. You have Hightower, who's in a situation where he most likely. Uh, you know, is going to have the beginning of the season in jeopardy. And you really, do you really want to ask yourself? It, you know, with Hightower being one of the core, the young core players for this defense, do you want to put him in this a, a situation where you almost force him to start the season if he's not ready, and they put him behind the eight ball for later in the year? I think you have to ask yourself that. The other thing is Gerard Mayo. Back-to-back years, you've lost him in Week Six. He's a very high cap number. A lot of people were wondering why they, why they haven't lowered that. Uh, basically, it's because he can't pass physical right now. They, I, I, Mayo is not going to play for the num- for the money he's getting right now. But that number won't change for later. I do think he's going to be on the team regardless, and I'm sure they're probably, you know, already talking about something because I know both sides want to be here. So I think that will get worked out. But it's really hard to count on someone who has given you 12 games over the past two seasons. Uh, you know, so you really have Jamie Collins and a bunch of a bunch of guys who are going to be there to compete. You know, maybe someone steps up, but, you know, I think you can tell a lot of times how teams view a certain position by the way they're going about it. You know, they lost Jonathan Casillas to the Giants, and I thought it would have been nice to keep him, but he did get some decent money in New York. You go ahead and look at what they did early, though. They started looking at Colin McCarthy, the Tennessee Titans linebacker. That didn't work out. Maybe, Maybe it was a health issue, maybe not. And now they're looking at McLean. I think they're starting to look at linebacker as a certain positional need. So it would not surprise me if we see that um, addressed in the draft or immediately after with a veteran free agent.
1: No, very very interesting take on the linebacker position in general. But I want to go back to McLean. I'm going to ask you both this, guys, because I've heard some talk about this on the radio. I'm curious your thoughts on this, Rolando McLean. The fact that they brought him in again here's a player that has actually had run-ins with the law. He, you know, he he will be fined uh, his first four paychecks to open the 2015 season for violating the NFL's policy on, on substance abuse. Let me ask you, Derek, and then I'll ask you, Steve. Do you think the Patriots should have even brought him in?
2: Yeah, I have no problem with it, honestly. Okay. If want it, if he's not, I I I don't see what's wrong with at least bringing in a, bringing in a player to see what's happening. Now, has he had it? Uh, you know, he had a little problem with uh, it wasn't substance abuse, like you know, performance enhancing drugs. Uh, It was a, you know, marijuana issue. Um, You know, he has had some times where he's, uh, you know, kind of had problems keeping his nose clean, but it's never really really been anything bad. Usually it's been kind of either, you know, whether he wants to play the game and how committed he is to doing it. Obviously, coming out of Alabama, he has ties with high power at the same position. Uh, He was very highly touted coming out of college. He's close with Nick Saban, who, of course, is close with Belichick. So with I can see how the stars would align there, at least to see if the Patriots would kick the tires. You know, but there's talk on both sides, Russ. I mean, with did, did McLean come in simply because he was curious and playing for the Patriots and looking for a job, or was he simply trying to drum up interest from Dallas for them to pull the trigger, uh, you know, on a new contract? Maybe he was asking for a little bit more money than than they were originally willing to offer him. And for the Patriots' side... You know, were, were they were they genuinely interested? Or were they just or was Belichick just doing a favor for Nick Saban? I think you can look at it from multiple angles, but I do think given the the um veterans that they've looked at this off season, I do think the linebacker is a position to need for them and based on their roster I totally agree.
1: Okay, very interesting take there, Derek. And and you know, uh again I wasn't even thinking about, about the leverage you were talking about to potentially get more money from the Cowboys. That that actually is a very interesting thought there. Steve, I want to get your thoughts on this because again, I heard this yesterday. You know, criticizing the Patriots for even bringing in this player because of his past. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, you know, we don't know how how interested they were. Were they just kicking the tires and doing due diligence? Were they really interested in him? We don't. We don't know, and we won't really know, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Maybe we'll find out later on. But you know, again, um, he's had a checkered past, but you know, he. Last season, supposedly, he was a good citizen down there in Dallas. You know, he had no major problems. In fact, he had probably his best season down there. So, you know, hopefully, uh, for this guy's sake, he's turned his life around. And, you know, um, if he had some issues in Dallas last year, I would have been very much against it. This marijuana thing, I'm I'm not really concerned with. That seems to be more prevalent than the NFL is, is letting on. And, it, it again, it wasn't a performance-enhancing thing. It wasn't a hard drug. Now, with marijuana becoming legal in all so many states, I don't think it's that big a deal.
1: Okay. Okay, fair enough, guys. Fair enough. Let's move on, and let's go into the Patriots' fourth and two controversy roundtable. I've got some very interesting topics for us to d- discuss and debate. And, Steve, I'm going to start with you. I've talked to you about this offline, about uh, about the uh, Devin McCourney signing, and I actually think it has something to do with, to Revis. So I'm just going to ask you, do you think the Patriots signing of Devin McCourty had an impact on trying to sign D'ral Rivas?
3: No. I don't. Uh you know, at first I I did, but then you know, when I saw that the numbers that the the Jets were offering, the Patriots there's no way even if they hadn't signed McCourty, there's no way they could have offered that kind of okay. money. It would have it would have hamstrung them and, and uh they wouldn't have been able to sign McCourty as well. And, you know, they probably wouldn't have been able to sign Sheard or anybody else. I mean, they probably would have had to sign Revis and wait for the draft and sign their draft picks. So uh, at first I thought it might have, but then, you know, and even Revis said uh, the Patriots offer wasn't even in the ballpark. So I, I think he had every intention of going back to New York and signing for the most money that he could get, which is good for him. I, I think that's a great move for him. Um, personally, I, I'm not sure. Professionally, it's going to be the best thing for him, but you know, that's his decision.
1: <laughs> that's, that's 100% right there, Steve. It's his decision. And if I'm understanding you correctly, you're looking at it that, that regardless of McCourty, this has nothing to do with Rivas signing with the Patriots. You don't think he would have, and you don't think the Patriots would have uh, come up to the terms of what the Jets offered. Nope. Okay. Over to you, Derek. What are your thoughts on, on this? Do you see Devin McCourty's signing having any effect on trying to sign Darrell Rivas? Do you, do you link the two or do you not link the two?
2: Um, I don't link the two. I think that uh, once they sign McCourty, which I was – it it seemed like Rivas was going to be the more likely – Guy, they were going to be able to retain at one point. It looked like Revis or McCordy was going to be going to you know Philly or New York or um, you know Jacksonville, but you know it didn't work out like that. They they gave McCordy a decent money, but the Patriots like to structure their um, contracts certain ways. They like to have you know some options in there. They like to have some team insurance. It's not like them to to you know put a fully guaranteed contract up there, and that's why I think uh, the Revis's contract. And, and in Revis's mind, it you know it wasn't even close. I can't really blame him for that. I'll never really really get you know pay a player or, or you know in, in that kind of position to take a lot less money because I think when you're talking about a ten million dollar difference, reportedly, oh you know, that's that's a lot of money, you know. So uh, I would say, I would say for Revis, we we would know we knew last year that New York was his first option and the Patriots were his second option. Um, so I think after he won this year, his first option was still New York and um but I I do think that if the Patriots were close he would have come in. I just think the Patriots didn't want to put themselves in that position. Do I think do you know, do I think the Patriots could have extended themselves uh to get to get it within the ballpark and make it a make it a legitimate run? I do, uh because I think you're I think they're able to maneuver the cap a little bit like that. Um but at the same time, like Steve mentioned, I do think it would have, uh, you know, putting a deal like that in place would have certainly had forced them to make a lot more moves, yeah. um, you know, in order to, you know, in order to lower other, you know, the cap number in other places, and it would have probably hampered their ability to sign a guy like Share and and you know, et cetera. But um, I think a lot of fans would probably say it was worth it. You know, I don't know, I don't know, I. I I guess we'll have to find out how they respond and how they uh, you know, and, and how they fill that hole. You know, 'cause right now on, you know, April first, it doesn't look good. But we'll see how it looks in, you know, three or four months.
1: No, listen, it's a very good point there, Derek. And uh, you know, listen, as a player I I of course wanted Darrell Reeves back. But when you look at the contract and you and you look at what potentially the Patriots would have had to have done to keep him and uh you know, again, it would have cost them in other ways. And that's why, again, you know, it's funny because I'm actually glad. At the time, I was willing to think of uh, of the Patriots without Devin McCourty, but I'm uh, I'm very glad right now that they brought him back. And uh, I know this is going to sound bad because it's going to sound like a Patriots word, but um, they got good value for bringing him back. It, for me, it sounds like they value Devin McCourty more than they value Darrell Rivas. That's just my opinion. I'm just talking about... For what they got him at and for what he's offered the Patriots, I think they see more of a long-term value for Devin McCourty than they do for the long-term value of Darrell Rivas. Does that make sense, Derek?
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say he got a lot of value because I'm, I'm pretty sure he got the most – I could be totally wrong, but I, I, I think he got, McCourty got the most guaranteed money of any safety in history. Am I correct on that, Steve? I'm I, not I thought, sure. I thought 28-and-a-half he got – in terms of guaranteed money, with more than even Jarius Bird or Earl Thomas, uh, we can maybe look that up while we're doing the rest of the show. But uh, but obviously, they do see a long term, well, more long term value. us I mean, he's a younger yeah. he's a younger player, and, and I think it would have been a really. You know, does it, does it stink in a way that Revis left? Of course, it does. You know, we know yes. I think anyone, whether you're a fan or analyst, likes seeing Rebus on this team because it made it it made it very interesting. It gave some good balance to the team with the defense like that. But at the same time, it would have been a very bad look to let McCourty go for several reasons because it it kind of goes against what you preach in terms of you know we we brought you in you did your job you kept your nose clean on and off the field you're a good leader they've already lost some leadership in this locker room to let McCourty go at that stage I thought would have set probably left a bad taste in some players' mouths like you know like guys like Jamie Collins or Dont'a Hightower or even Chandler Jones. You know, I think that would have been a bad look to let him go. And he's a very good player, so, uh, you know, I, I certainly think the long-term interest there was there.
1: See, Derek, I'm glad that you explained it that way because you, you explained it better than I just did. That's what I meant by long-term value. You totally right. actually did me a solid, so thank you, Derek, because you really went – you said what I wanted to say because, again, <laughs> it's a player that they drafted, a player that they brought through the system. It's a player they want to be – one of the faces of the franchise, Devin McCourty. Nothing against Darrell Rivas, but he was a rental. Um, they, I, I it, to me, it looks like they valued Devin McCourty at, at a different type of level as, as more of the face of the franchise moving forward from from the time he walked in the door. Hopefully, by the time he leaves the Patriots, he'll be a Patriots player. I think that they look at him, they value him differently. Like I said, long-term value. Steve, what are your thoughts on this? Again, Derek actually got to the point I was trying to make.
3: Yeah, I agree with Derek. I mean, you know, when you're looking at McCourty, I mean, he's a guy that's just now starting to really enter his prime. And, you know, when you're looking at him, I mean, I think he can still be expected to play at a high level for quite a few years at safety I'm not sure that they felt that way with Revis. Not saying that Revis isn't going to be at playing at a high level for the next year or two. I think he's still one of the best, if not the best, cornerback in football. But you know, for what they were looking at long term for him, I just don't feel like they one they couldn't afford it. And two, I don't think they felt that the value again. The value was there.
1: Okay. Now, good stuff there, Steve. All right, let's move on. I'm going to go right back to you. I've talked to you about this player offline, and I've given this some thought because, again, when we're talking about the cornerback position, you know, um, with Darrell Rivas leaving, obviously fans and, and media alike are concerned about, well, what are the Patriots going to do now? And there's one player I haven't heard that much talk about, and I think part of the reason is because of what he did in the Super Bowl, meaning Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler won the game for the New England Patriots. It was a tremendous play. It's something we're always going to remember. But I also think it's also had an effect here that people don't think that he can be a long-term solution for the New England Patriots and be a contributor moving forward. I actually think that he can. So, Steve, I'm going to ask you, do you think Patriots fans in the media are overlooking the potential of Malcolm Butler for this upcoming season? I'm not saying that he's going to be a number one or a number two. I can see him being more of a contributor than people are giving him credit for.
3: Absolutely. Uh, you know, um, uh... I think if, if the season started today, I think Butler is one of your guys that's, that's starting the, the, on uh, at the cornerback position. I mean, you look at this guy. when when we, he, They brought him in last year during training camp. I don't think any of us gave him really a shot at the start of training camp of making the roster. And every day we were down there, and every day we would all mention about, you know, he was making big plays while he was out on the field, and he made a splash every day, it seemed like. And we all talked about it. And not only did he work his way on the roster, you know, he worked his way in, onto the field, and his, his playing time increased. And when you look at that Super Bowl, he made a couple of really big plays there. Actually, he made a great play on the uh, the uh, the pass that Jerome Kirst actually hauled in. I mean, Butler actually knocked the ball away it just, you know, it just so happened that the ball bounced and Chris made a fantastic adjustment while he was on the ground. So, you know, and then you go to that final play. Patriots are in goal line. The, the uh, Seahawks bring in their, their passing package. And who do the Patriots send on the field? Malcolm Butler. Right. So they had, they had confidence in this guy Cry. at the end of the Super Bowl, yeah. with the game on the line, for him to be – a player out there that speaks a lot of how they value this guy. You know, I think he's going to have every opportunity. I think the competition is going to be wide open,
0: but he's going to
3: have every opportunity to carve out a starting role for himself. And I would not sell this kid short because he said all the right things. I mean, he made the big play in the Super Bowl, but uh, as far as he's concerned, that's just step one. He intends on being much more than that. And I, I wouldn't sell him short at all.
1: See that's why I wanted to talk about this. And uh because again, I, I'm hearing so much talk about the cornerback position and not much talk about Malcolm Butler. And I think part of it has to do with with uh what he did. You know, it's so huge that we think that he's a one hit wonder. I don't think he's gonna end up being a one hit wonder. You know, again Kyle Arrington came came on uh, to the Patriots You know, again, as a street-free agent, so why can't Malcolm Butler? There's no reason why um, Malcolm Butler cannot turn into uh, a good player for the New England Patriots. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar. I'm just saying that he could be a contributor this season. And uh, he certainly has the confidence, and they have confidence in him. So that's why I wanted to talk about it uh, with the the two of you. And, Derek, I want to get your thoughts because, again, I go back to training camp. He stood out throughout training camp. He stood out through preseason. Again, during the season, you know, he had to fight just to stay on the roster. But to make the impact that he did in the biggest game of, you know, of the season, the Super Bowl, and win the Super Bowl for the Patriots, one, it's got to give him extreme confidence going into the season. But, two, the coaches have to have confidence in him moving forward. So I want to get your overall thoughts on Butler for the upcoming season.
2: Well, I think Steve had you know had a really good take there. Um, you know, and you're right, Russ, you know, back in training camp we we saw him come in and compete and uh you know, he worked his way out of the field. I, I would I would say you have to kinda of temper your expectations for him. The, but at the same time I, I mean I, I I certainly right now with Penn Fullerman as a starter, I think you have to right now. Uh based on the current personnel. Uh, you know, I think he's I think right now he, he's earned that um at least that entry level now, like you said earlier, and you know, when you were, when we were per, first uh, posing this question, you know he made one of the best you know plays in Super Bowl history, but it's it's hard you you can't really put that kind of expectation on him, you know what I mean? Like you don't re- just because he made that play. I'm not taking anything away from him at all, but just because he made that that play in the Super Bowl, I, I'm not going to go ahead and say, oh, all right, he's going to be a superstar. And I know you're not saying that either.
1: No, not uh, at all.
2: But uh, but I do think. I do think right now he has the potential to be a, to be a solid contributor. And a solid, I think he could be a number two corner. I, I do. I'm not sure if he has you know lockdown potential or anything like that. I, that's so hard to find. Um, you know, especially as an undrafted guy. But I, I do think he could be a solid. He could be a solid player. I, I believe that. But at the same time, I would say, uh, you know, without another strong player on the other side, which right now they they don't seem to have, and um, you know, also with history of cornerbacks going to the second year with this team, I'm just not ready to go ahead and uh, you know, pencil him in and say he's gonna have a good year. I mean, I'm I I'm sorry, but the last there's several examples over the past seven, eight years where, you know, they've brought in guys who've had success their rookie years that have struggled greatly in their second year. Um, you can look at McCourty, you can look at Alfonso Denard and there's a lot more examples. We don't need to beat a dead horse.
4: Right. Um
2: so as far as Butler goes, I liked what I thought of. His, I liked what I thought of him this first year. Uh, of course, you like to see that kind of story of a guy fighting his way and being scrappy and uh, you know making some plays and earning that playing time and making a big play when it matters most. Um, you know that's all well and good, and I, and I think for that reason he's going to be right in the mix, you know, for next year. But I'm really tempering my expectations uh, based on several factors.
1: Now, listen, I hear the uh, the factors, definitely, Derek, of uh, second-year cornerbacks with the New England Patriots. You brought up all the examples I could throw. Logan Ryan in there as well. Um, yeah, sure. The only caveat I will give give to you on that, and I understand that, and you, you have every right to bring that up, is that he seems a little bit different. He's, he's flashed a little bit different. We're talking, you know, again, on a much smaller scale, but what he did – was you know play without fear that I don't know if I saw that from from Alfonso Denard. I'm not sure if I even saw that from Logan Ryan. He's shown me something, or even Devin McCourty to that. Well, Devin McCourty was solid when he was a cornerback, but I don't think he made plays like this kid has already shown us. I mean, that to me is it's just a little know. bit different. I, That's I why I, already, I just I, don't want I, to rule it out,
2: Derek. I don't know. I, I look at I, maybe I'm wrong, but. I looked at Alphonso Gennard's rookie year. You know, they remember they drafted him in, in the later rounds because yeah. of the incident right before the draft uh, with involving a police officer at a bar. Um, you know, he was, he was going to be a second-round pick, and he came in his rookie year, and even though he's kind of small in stature, he really gave up. But he, he showed a lot of toughness, had a lot of fight, and a lot of scrappiness as well, and made some plays. And so going into his second year, I had some high expectations. And so we we still don't know what the team thinks of him because even though he's still on the team – and I think people would would consider throwing him in the mix. Uh, you know, you have to look at how his uh, how his season ended last year, and and it's hard not to question if he fell out of favor because it certainly seems like he did from the outside looking in. Now we don't. No, know. good point. I, good point it, it,
1: it, on on Denard there. And uh, you know, listen, the,
2: the other players, I agree with you. But I, and, and look, I'm not trying to am not trying to be a a hater or anything like that. I'm just trying to bring to the table what we've seen the past couple of years, and you can look right. back at, like I said. From Darius Butler's rookie year in 2008, look what happened, or, or was it 08 or 09. The the the, last, the the second season was disaster. So, I just think you have to look at it, just kind of in a vacuum and see. All right, well we'll we'll see what happens in training camp this year. We'll see how we start the season this year. But I think Butler certainly at least has thrown his name into the ring uh, as as consideration for next year.
1: Absolutely, and that's kind of the point that I'm making. I I don't I don't think he's going to end up being Larry Brown. If, you know, again Larry Brown. Made a great uh, interception in in a Super Bowl and really was never to be heard from again. I I got a feeling we're still going to hear from from uh, from Malcolm Butler. I just don't know what type of role. I just think that that we cannot just say that he's going to be a one hit wonder. That's my whole thing. Yeah. Uh, um, you know. And uh, when you make a play like that, you know, you become famous in a way. But I think that I he'll have every chance to back that up and uh, this upcoming season. I'm look forward to seeing. What he can offer, Derek, and going back to what Steve, I wouldn't count him out. That's all I'm going to say. I wouldn't count him out making an impact. I just don't know what that impact's going to be. All right, let's move on. And, Derek, I'm going to go right back to you. Let's talk about free agency so far. What has been the best signing so far for you for the Patriots?
2: Um, the best signing for me has been Jabal Sheard. Uh, and I, I – I, well, if you're not – I mean – Resigning McCordy was big, obviously, but I'm just gonna, I guess, bringing in, a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, bringing in a guy from somewhere else. Um, I'll say Sheer. Um, I, I really like, you know, he's not an end all, you know, he's not like an end all, you know, woes in the pass rush category type of player. It's not. I wouldn't say he's a, you know, a transformational defensive player or anything like that. But I do think he's he's give he gives you with some guy a guy who has some versatility, a, a guy who they can plug in, um, you know to kind of sub in for Ninkovich or Jones, um, who who've played a high high number of reps, someone who can um, you know, set the edge in the run game off of the pass rush. And I still think his best football is ahead of him. I really like the shared signing. Um I think it, it gives the team a lot more flexibility and I think his upside um is still yet to you know, I like I said like I said a second ago, I, I think his upside is um still a little bit higher than what it is now. We'll we'll see. But I do think he's a good fit here, and um, you know, I, I know this is not a popular opinion. Um, you know, I've talked to people about this, and I I get I get a lot of hate for it. I like Chandler Jones, Jones, I do, but um, I, I'm not ready to hand him a big contract when his contract's up because, you know, he he's shown some pass rush ability, but I I'm always kind of waiting for a little bit more from him, and you know, he's had problems staying he's had problems staying on the field. And uh, you know, last year he had he got hurt, and uh, when he came back, you know he was really he was really killed in the run game a lot. I thought I thought he was washed out towards the end of the season. Um, you know, I I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because uh, I remember last year in preseason we saw a lot from him, but I, I'm I'm just not ready to pencil in Chandler Jones as a starter for the next couple years. Um, and uh, so I think to have a guy to kind of back him up in case he's injured. Um, or just to, you know, like I said, sub in for Ninkovich because he's playing so much, I think that's a really good move for the team. It kind of gives them some insurance um, moving forward. So I like that move a lot, Russ. I love
1: the move, Derek. And uh, what's interesting about Sheard is that that he can actually stop the run. He can set the edge. And uh, that's something that Chandler Jones has struggled with. So I I see your trepidation about giving – uh, Chandler Jones, a long-term contract. That's something the Patriots are going to have to weigh. But I'm I'm glad that he's there. But, Steve, I want to get your thoughts because I love the shared signing, but I also like the signing of Mr. Chandler. So I'm curious, what has been the best signing
3: for you? Well, um, I think overall the best signing was bringing back McCourty. But, you know, right. uh, if we're talking about bringing in new players. Just free agents, um, yeah. Yeah, free agents. Uh I I think I'm going to go agree with Derek and go with Sheard. I I love Scott Chandler. You know that. I've been a Scott Chandler fan for quite a few years. I love the the Patriots to bring him in. I think he's going to be outstanding in this offense. I I really do. I think he's going to be a huge, you know, weapon in this offense. And not in numbers. uh, Just what he's going to bring to the field opposite Rob Gronkowski because it's going to create options. But I'm looking at the defense and, you know, what the Patriots are going to have to do this year is they lost, you know, Revison and Browner. So they're going to have to have a better pass rush. And I think Sheard is the kind of guy he's going to be one of those under the radar guys that, you know, when they signed him, there wasn't a big uh, whole lot of hoopla about it. No, But I think at the end of the season, we're going to look back and say, man, that was a great signing because I think he's tailor fit for this defense I think Belichick and Matt Patricia are going to find a great role for him, and you know he's good enough to to plug right in as a starter. So if anything were happen to Jones or Ninkovich, I, I think they could plug him in, and they would not be embarrassed with him on the field. And I think having him in there, it's going to create you know the opportunity for them to to rotate guys. We've been saying this for the last few years, and they haven't been yeah. able to do it. But I also look at, at two other guys that could help this year, and one of them, Zach Moore, was a rookie. He was a little on the raw side last year. But he's got great size. And and Michael Buchanan, who was hurt last year early, you know, he was entering his second season. I'm interested to see what he can bring to the table. You know, it, with, with these guys in there, I think the, the pass rush will be much, much better this year. They'll be much fresher at the end of games. And I, I really like this year's signing. I think He's going to be a really nice addition to this defense. Steve, let me give you a,
1: a comparison. Because, again, I, I remember when the Patriots signed Brandon LaFell and there wasn't much hoopla about that. Look how great Brandon LaFell turned out. Do you think the Shears signing could be even better than than how LaFell turned out?
3: No, I think the opportunity is going to be there. I mean, it, obviously it's going to be on him, you know, to, to step his game up. I know he's really excited about being here. Um and I, I think they're excited about having him here. You know, he was one of the guys that as soon as free agents started, we we looked at, you know, he wasn't one of those uh, sexy, uh, uh, you know, 15 sack kind of guys, but we all knew that, you know, he was a guy they had looked at in the past and he's a fit. And, you know, again, uh, when LaFell signed last year, it was, oh, ho-hum, you know, he's just a, a jag from Carolina. Yeah. Well he was I a jagger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was a jagger who had a thousand yards. So uh let's hope uh, Sheard has that kind of success next year.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Stephen. And and I'll go even farther back and Derek I'll go to you because I remember this and again this is this is going far back. You know how I like to go far back. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel came from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, not not much hoopla along with uh Mike Vrabel. Look at the impact he made again. Who underneath the radar? I didn't even realize, you know, how good he was going to be, and he turned out to be a great Patriots player. So, you know, again, I I definitely see him flying underneath the radar. In fact, uh, you know, I heard a local radio station talk about the Sheard signing and, and saying, "Well, you know, pass rushers, you know, you got to spend major bucks on pass rushers." Could he be the exception to the rule? Well, I don't
2: know. Uh, I I mean, I agree with kind of Steve's take there. I think, like I said, I think the opportunity is going to be there for Jabal Shearer. You know, I'm excited about his potential. I think I said last show we talked about him I could see him getting in the range of six to eight sacks. I think if he had some kind of a season like that where he brought some pass rush, was able to get to the quarterback, rotate for some guys and set the edge, I would look at that as a success you know, a successful season. If he had the kind of he had the kind of impact that Brandon Lafell had on offense last year, they're gonna be look it's gonna be it's gonna be, be a really good look for, you know, this defensive front. I already think they have a lot of talent in that front seven. They've, they've invested a lot in it, both with assets and money. Again, now you bringing another guy who I think has some potential to to help you there? Um, you know, like Steve just mentioned, they're going to have to get better up front with the defensive talent on the back end kind of falling out a little bit. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see what he can do. He's, you know, if you look at his, if you look from his rookie year to uh, to his last couple of years, his Back numbers have gone down. He's changed defensive coordinators a lot. I think he really need, I think he could really benefit from some stability. And with and I think with an upgrade of talent around him, and obviously the coaching staff in place here, I think he's going to get the you know the stability, the coaching, and the help around him with the players on the field for him to be successful. And that's why I think he's going to have that impact this season.
1: I do too, Derek, and listen, it's not always about how much money you spend. It's the right fit, and this is a situation where I actually think it's a great fit for the player and also the Patriots. I I, I think this is going to work out great, similar to Brandon with Only time will tell. But if it does, I think the Patriots have really found, uh, I wouldn't say a diamond in the rough, but they actually found, hate to use the word, great value. Uh, but uh, let's move on, Derek. I'm going to go right back to you because, again, there's been so much talk lately because of uh, – the situation has been going on for several months now. What do you think is ultimately going to happen with the Deflakey? Just your opinion.
2: Well, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, it came the reports came out over the weekend that the Falcons and the Browns were going to be severely punished. Well, I looked at their punishments and laughed. Uh, I thought the Falcons, you know, they were the one who got the harder hit. They got fifth. They were docked a fifth-round draft pick in 2016 and had a $350,000 fine. And then they had somebody. They had like a, I forget the title the guy had, um, but one of their front office personnel guys, who's been on the competition committee for like 21 years, um, it's gonna be suspended for like a couple weeks. I'm like, whoop-dee-doo, do? Really? I, I, this is a, this is a, something. I this is a, a, you know, a team that pumped in artificial crowd noise for two seasons, and that's a, is that a severe punishment? Losing a pick in next year's draft and a $350,000 fine for a. I, I don't know. I looked at that it's just kinda like, you know, I I, I don't know. I didn't think that was severe. I really didn't. Um uh, you know, I, I think that the, the flight game, if it's a similar if they find enough, you know, in the investigation, which I now I think we're on like day sixty eight of the investigation, it's it's ridiculous how long this thing is taking. Um, if they find anything and the and they're gonna punish the team, I could see a similar you know, punishment. I could see it, being a slightly higher draft pick, you know, by a round, uh, maybe bec- only because yeah. of the hit, only because of Belichick's history, but um, you know, with with the spygate thing and and everything in the past. But at the same time, I, I don't really know why. I don't really know why it's taking so long. Part of me thinks they're just trying. To, I honestly kind of believe Belichick's trying to get, just bury the story because it had just, uh, and and now they're just going to try to make it go away. You know, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, um, you know, the Browns was a, you know, the Falcons was a slap on the wrist. The Browns was a flick on the ear. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I When I when I heard the severe punishments, I was really intrigued. When I saw the actual uh, punishments being levied down on the teams, I, I, I laughed. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's my take. Cause honestly, I'm not really sure what's going to happen anymore between, I, I don't know, how strict Roger Goodell wants to be in certain situations, you know. I, uh, it just depends on what we you know. What happens in the end. I guess we'll have to talk about it when they finally go ahead and make their decision on the
1: team. Absolutely, and uh, it's it's uh, very interesting because again, at the owners' meetings, Derek uh, Robert Kraft came out strong again about this subject, yeah. feeling that, that that they hadn't done anything. I'm paraphrasing, but I remember the uh, conversation that he had with the media. So, again, that gave me more confidence that he – listen, he had to talk to his people. He has to know exactly what's going on. I'm talking about from a Patriots perspective to talk to the people that would have potentially be involved if there was something going on. So the fact that he's still confident after all these months makes me feeling pretty confident that um that if they find something it's going to be small, but I don't even know if they're going to find anything. Steve, what are your well, thoughts well, about ref- the whole Deflategate situation?
2: Real, real quick. So the first time Belichick had his conference, it was kind of like, you know, he addressed it. The second time, he came out really strong, you know, and and Kraft came out very strong, very strong as well. And even at the podium at the Super Bowl, you know, there it was a weird exchange between Goodell and Kraft, you know. And now he's saying, like you said, Kraft came out and said another statement again at the owners' meeting. But I, I, I just I have more respect for the Patriots, I guess, from Kraft and Belichick that. I just don't think they're dumb, you know. And I, I think if you make a mistake, you kind of just shut your mouth, and you know that's kind of you just kind of wait for them to do something. To be on the, I don't want to say offensive, but to be as kind of uh, dismissive of everything as they've been, I just think it would be a really dumb thing to do, and just kind of be just look stupid. Uh, I just don't look at them and say that they're stupid. You know what I mean? I, I just, right. It just doesn't fit. So maybe they know something that we don't, and maybe the league, maybe, maybe the league is just trying to bury the story a little bit.
1: Right, and that's my point about all this. They've come out so strong against it that it makes me feel more confident that uh, that uh, they feel confident, you know, that, that there really isn't much there. And I'll be curious to see how this all plays out. But uh, but that's why I wanted to bring this up. Steve, what are your thoughts about, about uh, the whole thing with uh, Deflategate now?
3: You know, it's funny because when I saw these punishments yesterday, I, I had the same thought, Derek. Did. And I, I, I was watching, you know, Twitter and social media and – everyone was lamenting about how hard the league came down on Atlanta and Cleveland. And they were like, well, what about the Patriots? And I'm like, these are nothing. These, I mean, a fifth round draft pick next year for obvious cheating. I mean, let's face it. Pumping in crowd noise is a lot more of an advantage. And we know this because when you play in a loud stadium, you know, the opposing quarterback can't hear his signals. And when you, you know, increase the crowd noise artificially. And we saw it in Indianapolis, those paragons of virtue uh, that the Colts are, you know, um, it it affects the football game. It affects your signals. You you get teams that are, you know, getting false starts, delay of games. And for them to come out with just a fifth-round draft pick next season, I was amazed. And and I was like, you know, thankfully the Patriots play in an outdoor place with an open hole at the other end. So it never gets that loud. Or, uh, because if they were ever accused of this, I guarantee you it would have been a much higher traffic. And, you know, getting back to the flake gate, there's never anything been there about this whole thing. I mean, we're, we're now in, what, the third month of this? They can't find anything because there's nothing there. There was never anything there. And the way the Patriots came out so strongly against it, It just speaks loudly of how there was nothing ever there. The only football that was severely deflated was the one that those paragons of virtue in Indianapolis happened to give to the league, which, you know, the investigation should be flipping on to them more than I think it should be on the Patriots. But if (laughs) if they find anything, I guarantee you this this punishment will be higher than either Cleveland or... uh, Atlanta suffered. Guaranteed. No, it's a good
1: point. It's a good point, Steve, because if they have something, it would be harsher. Um, you know, again, oh, based on... The
3: hue and outcry over this, I mean, oh, It's my still God, going uh, on, by the way.
1: I have to say okay, this. I see you know, it on Twitter like, every single day.
3: It, it's so ridiculous that they want to pin all this on Bill Belichick. Like, yep. Bill Belichick would even know if a football is deflated or not, or even care at this point. Would Bill Delachek care if a football was deflated by less than a pound? I mean, really? But the, the, the outcry over this just speaks to how disliked he truly is around the league. Right. Now, you listen, know, I, than, I,
1: I, I hear you, than, Steve. And, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off because, again, this situation has bothered me since the beginning. I went to the game. Derek went to the game. And uh, it has taken away from that game for me. It has. And uh, if it turns out that there was nothing going on, you know, again, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take away that moment right after, right right after the game. I'm talking about the next day. I shouldn't say right after the game. The next day, when I heard the news, it definitely was. I hate to use the word deflating, hearing all this (laughs) news about it, and and the media running with it. And you know, again, it just, it really, if. If it turns out to be nothing, I, I I'm telling you, I will actually be upset if it turns
2: out to be nothing. I'll be happy well, in one way, but upset for of all. the crap is already done that we've had to deal with, Derek. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say the damage of public perception is done. I mean, that's yeah, the, it's done. That's the I don't care. What, that's the part of this that upsets Goodell me, does. Derek. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying I don't care what Goodell or the league does at this point. The damage is done. It's it, you know they if uh, you know if the Colts or the league wanted you know wanted. Uh, were upset with the Patriots and they wanted to get this out there. They <laughs> that that's worse than anything the Falcons just got. You know what the Patriots had to deal with over the past you know couple months. You know off the deal dealing with this situation in terms of a, in terms of the distraction and, and the negative comments and you know whatever. And I think what hurts some fans some is that you know a lot of people looked at you know we haven't won anything since Skygate. Yeah, you know all it's that just... stu- all those stupid comments. You know which is stupid in itself, but. Um, I would say, you know, for this, all, all of some people are still going to be like, "Well, you guys still cheated again with this football thing," and I, it, right. it, it doesn't matter. I think I think it doesn't really change the minds of anyone who looked at the team before. I think if you look at the Patriots as, as a cheating, you know, dirty franchise, then you're still going to, with or without the story. And if you didn't, you don't. You know, I, I think it's just one of those things. But I think the damage has been done simply in the you know in the beginning, and it was blown out of proportion. I thought the foul. I thought the Browns thing was kind of stupid, but it is a rule, and I hate people saying, "Oh, it's kind of a stupid rule." Well, it, it you know if the Patriots breaks somewhat of a stupid rule, you, it would have been leading CNN news. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's ridiculous, but you know, but because it's Cleveland, no one gives a crap. So and the Falc, and the Falcons, I, I'm surprised the Falcons didn't get more talked about. I really I, I was really surprised by it because I thought. Uh, I, to me, I don't really know. I think Steve mentioned this a second ago. He thought the crowd noise was worse, and I'm not trying to take a fight, Steve. I'm not even disagreeing with you. But I think you can make the argument. Crowd noise versus underinflated football. I mean, it's. I, I guess, you know, they both affect the game. You could make an argument for both. I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Um, yeah. You know, I think they're on similar levels, in my mind, anyway. And Or you could make the argument for it. And so, if if that's the case, if that's the case that they're on similar levels, and why was the Falcons talked about? You know, even more. It's because it wasn't the Patriots, because they haven't been, you know, one of the most successful teams uh, over the past, you know, fifteen years or so. But so to me, Russ, the most damaging part is over. You know, whenever they go ahead and slap a fine or whatever they decide to do, or they say, "Hey, we were wrong," they can come out and say, "We were wrong." It won't change the minds no. of the public. It's over.
1: No, listen, you're 100 percent right, Derek, and listen, I. I've gone back and I've thought about this, and what really angered me was was that week, right after it all broke, and I'm turning on the Today Show, the Today Show of all things, and they have a poll question, should the Patriots not be allowed to go to the Super Bowl? I'm paraphrasing exactly what the poll question was, but that was the gist of it. You know, basically asking the nation, should the Patriots go to the Super Bowl because of the flake gate? That's how ridiculous it was,
0: and that's how ridiculous this whole situation
1: is, and it's not going to change... The the public perception it's it, it's done and dusted it's it's done, but you yep. know what I will feel vindicated if they come up with nothing I will feel that that the Patriots have been vindicated but public perception will not change you, you're right about that Jordan. Sure. I mean, if, if they
2: if they say we if they say you know we were wrong this is what happened this is what the investigation shows oh yeah oh, Patriots yeah. fans are, are going to be more annoying than, than you know we already are we're going to be throwing double barrels to everybody and <laughs> walking around As with our chest out. And yes. they should. Yes. Yes. we and should. Yeah. We should we should feel
1: vindicated if they come back with nothing, Derek. We should all feel vindicated. We should. If that if sure. that's the result.
3: When 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 this allegation was made, the sentence was already being pronounced before they even started an investigation. The, Absolutely. You
2: know, made, it was it was a made, witch it was a witch hunt. Absolutely.
3: It was witch a witch hunt. A, hunt. The, well, the again, again made a, they made an allegation yeah. and the next thing you know, they were pronounced guilty and people The national beat writers were already saying Belichick needs to be suspended. The game should be, you know, uh, thrown out, and the Colts should go to the Super Bowl. Give me a break. This was ridiculous. You know, another thing that nobody talked about, and nobody's still talking about, the Carolina Panthers cheated because they were warming their footballs, which is against the rules. We haven't heard a peep about that.
2: No, no, we don't, no, it, we don't hear about anything. And no, just... the thing that bothers me the most about the deflategate thing, is okay. Look, I understand. I have no problem if if Tom Brady or one of the ball boys or Belichick himself. I don't care. Someone in the Patriots organization they show clearly manipulated the football. I and I understand the circumstantial as it is now, but if they show that one of them actually did it then they deserve to be punished. I have Absolutely. said that all a I agree rule. with you, Derek. I, it's a yep. stupid rule, but it's a rule. I'm okay with that. What I have not been okay with is what you guys just mentioned, what we all kind of just mentioned. It was the public hanging and lashing of, of Belichick and the Patriots before anything happened. And, and while it's on the same, while, while it, it, it's not the same thing, it's on a similar level to the Falcons thing. And the Falcons have gotten almost no press. And as soon as it came out for the Patriots, it was leading, you know, shows like Today's Show, like the Nightly News, which is just ridiculous. It was taken to an un, uh, you know, just a totally absurd level, and that's what I think is most upset, upsetting to me. But, you know, it, it is kind of what it is. I like guess we'll we'll talk about more, you know, later. But uh, I'm sure we we all like we all want us to vent about that a little bit, and you yes. know, I think we're all right. But we'll have to just wait for another sixty six days until this report finishes, and then we can figure out, you know, where we're at.
1: Well very good stuff. Listen, I think I felt like I needed to vent. So I'm glad that you guys had your chance as well. And, <laughs> and, and in my opinion, it was a complete witch hunt, but like you said, Derek, if for some reason the Patriots are found guilty, they got proof of that. They should be punished. I, I, I will sure. go on record as saying that I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Let's see how it all plays out. And if, if they did nothing wrong, then, uh, then the Patriots will be vindicated, and I'll feel that the Patriots have been vindicated. So I'm curious to see how it's all going to play out. But, um, but again, they were they were you know, they've already been convicted in the uh, uh, court of public opinion, and nothing's going to change that, even if they're found innocent. But again, the damage has and been that, done, and
2: that's how and that's how it happens on social media nowadays. And i yeah. me. I'm as I'm as plugged in as, as anybody. You know, I, I grew up I grew up in the social media era. And now, if you do something, it's no longer innocent proven guilty. You have got to prove yourself innocent because immediately you are burned alive at the stake if you do something. You know, if, if an athlete, if an athlete does anything, or anybody who has a name for themselves, you, you 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 make a mistake, and all of a sudden you are pretty much just uh just killed on Twitter and everything else. Which you know, some people are just having jokes about it, but the long term effects really hurt you and that's why it's damaging so I don't think that and Belichick have gone so far out there because they're trying to protect their brand and their business because it right. is damaging you know I and it, it, uh, I don't know It like we said the damage is done uh, I guess it's time to move on let's talk about something else because we're all fired up <laughs> 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 and up, I have but, another yeah.
1: great subject to really keep us fired up and uh, Steve I'm going to go to you what do you think will happen with the tampering charges against the Jets in regards to what Woody Johnson stated about Terrell Rivas? What do you think is going to happen here?
3: Nothing. <laughs> Was he guilty? Absolutely. If Bill Belichick had said that, they they would have fried, again, fried him at the stake. They're okay. going to say, oh, Woody made a mistake, and the Jets are going to get, they'll get like a $25,000 fine. They're, they're going to get nothing. I guarantee okay. you, nothing is going to come of this. But that's why Belichick made his comments about, you know, Rebus because he said afterwards, I didn't want to, uh, you know, get charged with tampering because uh, he said, oh, he's no longer on the team. We don't talk about those guys, you know, but he says it all the time anyway. But, you know, if if the, the shoe had been reversed and, uh you know, Robert Kraft was saying, "Oh, well, we, we're hoping to bring Darrell back next time he's a free agent." Uh, there, there's your first-round draft pick, but nothing's <laughs> going to happen to the Jets on this one.
1: Okay, very interesting take. And of course, as we know, Steve, the Jets filed tampering charges against the Patriots.
3: Yeah, well, they're they're the eternal thirteen-year-olds in the, in the schoolyard that you know has has an issue problems. So
1: yes. No, listen, I totally agree with you. The border war is back on and now, Derek I want to get your thoughts. Steve actually made me think about it because because I I'm thinking that that the Jets are gonna get something. He doesn't think that they're gonna get much. What are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, I I see I'm kinda of torn and I don't like to <laughs> sit on the fence but um you know, in this. Get case, off the I'm fence, torn, Derek. Because, <laughs> because I, I see what I see what Steve is saying. Uh I see what Steve is saying about Nothing's going to happen, and I think part of it is because I don't know if the NFL wants to open that can of worms, uh, you know, because because you know with the tampering with tampering being kind of what it is, and it should be viewed as a bad thing. I should be it should be a strong punishment, but it's it's a tough line for you to kind of draw in the sand. To me, Woody Johnson's comments were a clear definition of what tampering is. You know, it's it's not. I I don't think there really is much much of an, uh, an investigation. That you know, did it go beyond that press conference? You know, did he make a mistake by saying that? Yeah. Do I think he really necessarily had, like, malicious intent? (laughs) No, but it could have long-term effects. And the fact that he ended up, Revis ended up on the Jets anyway, you know, I think makes it look worse. Now, what I think also hurts the Patriots, besides the NFL not wanting to open that can of worms with all the other teams, is, uh the fact that Jeff kind of you know through this little you know, this I don't know it's not it's not a counter suit, but they kinda of said they kinda of filed these tapering charges back. Now it just looks like you're making like a mockery of it. Now you can look at it from two ways. Does the NFL look at it as guys, seriously, both of you knock it off. You know, like like does Goodell look at it as like a as like a parent and the two you got two you got two brothers fighting? Okay, you know, just go go play, you know, make up and you know go away. or, or is it gonna be one of those things where where they look back to the Jets and be like, "Are you seriously trying? You know, you're, you're, you know are you serious right now?" I, I, to me, I, I kind of look at it, rough, it, it and think that Jets are going to get something. Um, you know, I look at the I've looked at the Lance Briggs situation from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I could see a swap of picks or just a loss of picks. It won't be anything high. I would be surprised if it was a first, second, or third rounder. I just think that's pretty steep. Um I could see a fine though, um, and potential loss of draft pick for the Jets. I could. Um, but I, I do. I, I won't be. I not be shocked if nothing comes of it because of that whole can of worms thing um, with tampering kind of being a gray area.
1: Interesting. Interesting. So you see the, uh, you know, basically acting like children here. You know, uh, you know, basically work it out between yourselves and not you really, really anything happen. Yourself, I
2: like I kind I, of knock it off. You know. Right. I, knock it I, off. I right.
1: I kind of go with with the direction that you were mentioning about the Lance Briggs situation. It could be like a swap of picks or a loss of picks. That's what I think is going to ultimately happen. But we'll see how it all plays out. Very interesting stuff going on between the Patriots hey, I, and the I, Jets I love once again.
2: I a so I'll take a swap of third-rounders.
1: Yeah, I, I figured you wouldn't be against that, Derek. But we'll see what happens. Sure. We'll see swap what happens. All right,
2: guys. Um, yeah, right.
1: We've been going for about an hour. I have kind of a big topic. Do you want us to go go to this big topic, or do you want to wait for another show to talk about this really no, big topic?
2: Let's just let's just bring up let's just bring it up and we'll plow through it, and then we'll we're going to want to talk drafts next show. So let's do it. Okay.
1: This now. All right. Well, well then let's then let's let's go to it because I, I've been giving this a great deal of thought, and we've talked about it before, and I've been hearing so much about this uh, on the radio, on TV, talking about how the Patriots do their business, so I wanted to pose it to both of you. You know, Again, we are fans of different generations, so um, again, I don't know how you're going to react to this, so it should be fun just to discuss it. So, Steve, I'll start with you. Do you approve or disapprove of the Patriots' business model, which focuses a great deal on the long-term future of the New England Patriots?
3: Absolutely, I, I agree with it. Sometimes we get frustrated with it because we see guys leave that we don't want to see leave, but the proof's in the pudding, you know. The past 15 years, the worst that this team has finished is 9-7. and seven. And you look around the league, and nobody else has that kind of success. This team, under Bill Belichick, has been to the Super Bowl six times during that time frame. So there's your proof. I mean, it works. It's it's viable. And, you know, your your team is always in the mix. And they've won four of those Super Bowls and came damn close to winning all six. So, you know, at times, sure, it gets frustrating from a fan perspective because you want to see them hold on to all their guys. And, you know, you wish it was like baseball and the Yankees where it's like, yeah, hey, we really like this guy. We're just going to throw the checkbook at the wall and see how much it's going to take. But it it doesn't work that way in the NFL, and that's why the Patriots are always, you know, one of the teams in the mix. And uh, sometimes it, it, it tends to bite them. You know, because they might be that one player short. But you know what? They don't sell out the future for the here and now. They're always in the middle of things, and it works. I'm a firm believer in this now, and I think that anyone who says otherwise is just a a blithering idiot because look at the facts. (laughs) Sixteen well, Steve, it
1: works, but again, do you like it? And you approve of it. I approve of it because, again, I've been a fan for over 40 years, and you've been longer than me, and I've been through the down years. And what the Patriots are trying to do is is try to do something that really hasn't been done before, and that's try to prevent down years. Even the 49ers dynasty in the 90s, they finally came back to earth. Uh, but the Crafts are trying to combat that. They're trying to keep the Patriots in the mix for as long as they can to be a viable contender for the Super Bowl each and every year. It's difficult to do. Tough decisions have to be made. It is long-term thinking. Does it frustrate me at times? Yes, it does. Of course, the Darrell Revis situation is frustrating. I understand it. I approve it. I, I do approve of of their model. I know, I know some don't, but I approve of it. Now, Derek, you know, again, you're younger than us, so I don't know how you feel about this because you've grown up Pretty much with the Patriots winning Super Bowl, so I'm curious your thoughts. I don't know how you feel about this. Do you approve of their business model or do you disapprove of it?
2: Well, first of all, I'd like to just, just say I'm happy that you made it clear that I'm much younger than both of you, so it's so I'm glad I'm glad we have that for the record. <laughs> you could be my son, Derek <laughs> well, I know look at it i mean i you know i i I've, I've talked about it before you know actually yeah. I actually just turned twenty five a couple of days ago um you know i I, I grew up. My first i first uh you know the first super bowl for the patriots i was you know i was 11 years old so uh you know if you look at you know look at the kind of run over the last 50 years pretty much, i mean i played football when i was a kid started really understanding the game of football at about 10 so right when i was a, you know really starting to love the game they you know the team started winning and you know i was kind of born into this you know this great era we're seeing right now so does it impact does it does, does it impact my um my judgment on everything, maybe a little bit. Of course, I can get. Uh, of course, you can be a little bit biased in that situation. Although I, I think, and, I, and I'm sure you two would agree, I, I say I'm pretty critical at times, and uh, you know, I, I can certainly, uh, you know, be judgmental when I need to. And I think what Steve said a couple of minutes ago was perfect. You know, do we agree with every single move? No. And I think, and look, I think there would be a lot more outcry, and it would be a lot harsher. Um, you know, if the results weren't there, but at the same time, you would have to be an idiot to totally disagree with this because look at the results. You know, are they winning? You know, were, did they have a stretch recently of not winning a Super Bowl? Of course they did. They had a problem finishing the job on certain ends, but you know, you could look at and you could look at that and say, sure, uh, you know, you, it was it was a um, it was a drought, quote unquote. But they got they had gotten to two Super Bowls and were Within a couple plays of winning either of them, so you know you look at the success, the overall, you know how they've built, you know how the, how they've built the franchise, not just the franchise on the field, off the field, in terms of making the brand one of the more recognizable names, growing Patriot Place, everything. I think it's part of what they want to do. They're trying to grow everything on and off the field. It's hard to be, um, it's hard to be against that. I understand, or in it to make money. I just don't like when I think certain situations are money affected. The Revis thing, I look at it and say, you had the player, you had the result, and I think it was a money issue in terms of them not wanting to overextend themselves because their 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 model. It's frustrating to see a player like that walk away. But again, even though it's frustrating now, it's hard again, like I said a second ago, to start this to really be against it because you've seen how. They've been able to be so successful. Now, I'll say the other thing I'll say real quickly is, will this work without Tom Brady here? Will it work without Phil Belichick here? We don't know, and I have no. a hard time believing without an elite head coach and elite quarterback, this system works out really well with them being ultra competitive. You know, I'm not sure. I- I'm not sure the answer to that. I know, unfortunately, we're going to have to find out in a couple of years how how it looks. But when we get to that bridge, we'll cross it. Um, but for right now, I, I, I do think, uh, even though you can be frustrated at time, you'd be stupid really to go against it.
1: You know, it, listen, it, it's an interesting discussion. That's why I want to bring it up. And, Derek, I think you did an excellent job of breaking down your thoughts on it, and Steve as well. Because, you know, again, I hear about this. You, you know me. I, I have an issue. I, I listen to way too much sports radio. You know, I do. Steve yells at me all the time, what are you doing listening to these guys? But I do. I do. <laughs> and... uh and I hear this and I hear all the talk about, about the Patriots and how they spend their money. And I you know, I've always looked at it this way. I remember the bad years. I remember how the Patriots were before Bill Parcells. Going way back to Billy Sullivan, you know, that, that whole era. You know, there there were some good years, but there were a lot of bad years too. Um and uh when Bill Belichick came, uh, along with Scott Pioli, because you have to bring Scott Pioli into the conversation it really changed how the Patriots did their business along with the crafts. They they changed their model, guys. They changed how they did their business. Because the Patriots gave huge contracts, um, huge contracts before Bill Belichick came in. They actually gave huge contracts to Willie McGinnis. They gave huge contracts to Ty Law, huge contracts, you know, uh, again, to Lawyer Malloy. You know, and many of them might have been, I guess you could say, player-friendly more than team friendly. I I I hope that the deals are both that they can be team and player friendly. Well, the Patriots look, definitely that have changed their model.
2: Go ahead, I'm sorry. Do. No, I'm sorry. I it's hard to, uh, with on phones, it's hard to interject real quick, but I was just going to say like you like you said with with teams that were bad and they become player friendly, if you look at a team like the Raiders have been in the past. That's one of the worst things you can do is start overextending yourself financially. But way too much for a certain player, because it, it you know, kind of interrupts what you're trying to do as a team, and then all of a sudden you have all these players who aren't good, who are just so overpaid, it just totally handicaps you and handcuffs you to to uh, the the cap and you can get in trouble with that and you won't be able to build as a team so from that perspective, you can look at it and respect the team building doing it once or twice when you're in a when you have a window open of championships, I think could be looked at as different. I think you can make arguments for it, so I think the people who are most critical, we'll say on a certain radio show, you know, the rough maybe refer refers to it quite a bit, you know, are people who are most critical maybe to drum up some of the audience reaction. Uh, you know, I think they, I think from their perspective, or at least the perception that they give on the radio is that, you know, this is a window of opportunity that you have while you're one of the NFL's elite franchises, you know, you, why can't you overextend yourself for a player that has been proven to uh, help you win a championship? And I think from that perspective, I, you can understand it, at least in my from my view. Right, but but the whole thing about the whole thing, you know, the, the
1: discussions, you know, again, they go to how the Patriots spend their money. I understand about about extending for one player. We're talking about Darrell Revis, but it's sure. not just about the one player that that these shows talk about. It's a philosophy. It's, it's an sure. overall philosophy, Derek, that they want the Patriots to be the New York Yankees of the 1990s and early 2000s, that they feel that they have an unlimited budget, that they should be able to bring in whoever they want. It doesn't work that way. There is a cap. We have someone that's an expert on the cap, and that's Miguel. The, the cap is real. I, I don't care what, what, what some people think about it, it is real. And, Steve, I want to go to you before we end the show because I want to talk about one other subject that goes off of that, and that's about the Patriots' spending because I've heard this, you know, again, you know, talking about, well, well, the Patriots don't spend that much. They don't spend what they should be spending. And I get, and, and I believe there was a USA Today article about a month ago talking about how the Patriots were were lower in the NFL in, in, in spending actual cash. Well, Mike Reese had an article yesterday, and I'm just going to read a little bit from it. I want to get your thoughts on it because, again, I think it it talks to um, the myth that the Patriots don't spend money because they actually do. And the title of the article by Mike Reese on ESPNBoston.com is called Patriots Rank High in Cash Spending. And I'm just going to read from it. This is from the Mike Reese article. The New England Patriots cash spending for 2015 is currently at $135.5 million according to ESPN's roster management system, which tracks every contract in the NFL, the 135.5 million-figure ranks as the fourth highest total among the league's 32 teams. The Buffalo Bills are at the highest. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles are second. New York Jets are third, followed by the Patriots, and believe it or not, the Indianapolis Colts are fifth. Um, Steve, I want to get your thoughts about this, because the perception is that the Patriots don't actually spend cash. What are your thoughts about this article by Mike Reese?
3: Well, and, and Mike spells it out, and there's the facts. But, you know, if you're a guy in Boston that listens to too much sports radio, as you like do, me, yeah, you get fed this line all the time that the Patriots and Kraft are cheap and they don't spend the money. And I, I've been seeing this since yesterday when Ro- Rolando McClain left here without a contract and uh, it was, social media was uh, overrun. The Patriots are cheap. They didn't offer him anything. Here's your proof. Jeff Howe just tweeted this out about two minutes ago. Okay. The Patriots offered Rolando McClain $4 million in a contract that was comparably structured to the accepted Cowboys $4 million offer per a source. So there, they offered them the same amount of money. McClain used the Patriots as leverage to get what he wanted from the Cowboys, but yet right. the Patriots are cheap. This is what we hear all the time. It's a fallacy. It's not true. They spend money every year. They just spend it more wisely than other teams, which is why they happen to win. What a Super Bowl this year! So, you know, I, it, it's it's ridiculous. This thing that that, did, that's did, that
2: did, that um, if that's true by Jeff Howe, I think the way I took that is it. It kind of gives some. I don't want to say credibility, but it. It looks. I mean, it could be more of the leverage thing that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, uh, you no, know, maybe, maybe McLean wanted a certain amount of money. Um, he the used the Patriots, said, Jack. That's what it do. seems like to me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They said maybe, maybe go ahead and go out and see what you can get. Come back and talk to us. You know, McLean. You know, the Patriots were interested. They said, "Here's what we're looking to do." He said. He said, uh, you know, let me think about it or something like that. He went to the Cowboys. He said, sure, I don't want, we don't want to lose you. I mean, that's how I could see it going down. I don't know. I mean, but I, but I look at it as a similar situation with a guy like Dan Connolly, who's still on the market. You know, right. the Seahawks were rumored to be interested. They've expressed some interest. Um, you know, the Buccaneers have expressed some interest. I still think the Patriots have told him, here's what we're willing to do. You know, go see what you can do. We, we, we you know, and we could just come back and talk to us. Let's see, let's see what we can work this out. If the Buccaneers. Could you know, offer him a certain amount of money, and it, and he comes back to the Patriots, and they say, you know what, that's too rich for us. You know, best of luck in the future. Thanks for coming in. You know, maybe, you know, maybe sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it does. I think the I think the leverage factor was real here with McClain, honestly.
1: I listen. I totally agree with you, Derek. And uh, you know, it's funny because I started the show with a Goldman. You know, uh, a show wouldn't be complete without a Goldman, where where I started the show not not looking at uh, at Twitter to see the article that. Uh, that uh, Rolando McLean had signed with the Cowboys. But again, it opened up the conversation. We could talk about this and Leverage, and I think he actually, in my opinion, he used the Patriots to get a better deal with the Dallas Cowboys. It worked out, and uh, and best of luck to him. But it also shows, like what Steve said, that the Patriots were prepared to spend money. And they do spend money. People have problems with how they spend the money. That's what this is really about, and the business model. So, Derek, I want to get your thoughts, because when I saw this article, about this, you know, again, it just backs up the fact that they actually do spend money, you know, and, and the argument that I hear, again, on social, I see on social media and also on the radio and TV, that they don't spend or or, the, or people don't like how they spend their money. What what are your thoughts about about what Mike re-shared with us?
2: Well, I, I was actually kind of surprised based on, you know, the numbers that were there. For one of the Patriots, that they were in that – um they were in that kind of conversation in terms of cash spending, but and the other thing is that stood out obviously was three AFC teams in the top part of the article. So,
1: but that kind of uh, makes sense if you think about it, Derek, because they're competing against the Patriots.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I under, I, I think I, um, I onboard that. I mean, I, I, I just thought, I just thought it was an interesting, I thought it was an interesting piece. You know, I don't know exactly what the where the Patriots cap number stands right now. I'm sure if we went to uh, Miguel's uh, Twitter feed, at Pass Cap. We could probably you know, go figure it out. Let's go ahead and plug Miguel real quick. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. They, the NFL, and this is no disrespect to Miguel, just bringing him up, the NFL's contract and salary cap situation is so freaky confusing. Uh, it just gets, it's, on so many levels, you know, there's so many different layers and wrinkles to everything, you know, whether it's, you know, cash versus the cap and spending versus – you know, spread out allocations and things like that. I, I don't know. I mean, some 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 leagues are a little bit more cut and dry. The NFL is a little bit more complicated, which is why we like having Miguel around If he can go yeah. ahead and, you know, I failed math in high school, that's why I had to, you know, I had to take it over twice in college, so I could go ahead and figure this thing out. <laughs> that's why we have Miguel around. Right. And uh, that's why. <laughs> but I, I I can't I can't just you know discuss some of this stuff, but but I would say overall, in terms of you know the the whole cheap notion. I don't think anyone who is a real fan of the Patriots thinks they're cheap. We just we do. I think they're budgeted. I do. I think they have a certain you know they have a certain way of going about their business. They have a budget for certain things. They look at it, they look at certain people as important and, and they want around. But at the same time, they they also know that they can't overextend themselves because it will throw off the balance of the team they're trying to build. And again, you look at the results, and it's hard to argue with them. And anyone who really argued with them, um, you know, I, I I wouldn't really respect them much because you're being just totally blind by the by, um, or just ignorant to what to what has happened over the past 15 years or so. Um, you know, even if you're frustrated by certain moves, and we're using the Revis one as an example because it's right. kind of the most recent thing you know, um, but there have been other ones too. I mean, people were really upset by the Asante Samuel thing a couple of years ago when he went to the Eagles, you know, but I don't think, I don't think, you know, that obviously worked out well for the team. Will it work, you know, and I think you could make the argument where the Patriots have decided not to spend money on a player and it looks like it really hurt them, um, you know, the following season. Um, You could look at, you could look at that too. Um, You know, you'll look at, I was back at the 06 season and think about the money they didn't spend on receivers, and I think if they had had, you know, Deion Branch still when he was still actually making plays, uh, you know, they, they might have beaten the Colts after all and gone on to beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. Maybe they'd have another championship. I think you can go back and kind of play – you can play the what-if game. Obviously, that's a dangerous thing to do. Right. Um, but I, I do think that there are examples of both ways, and I understand the frustration at times, but overall the results are inarguable.
1: I totally agree there, Derek. And, and by the way, and, and again, I would recommend every, everyone going to to Miguel's cap page um, because Miguel is the best. I just want to mention that that in Mike Reese's piece on ESPNBoston.com, he said ESPN has the Patriot salary cap space at six point seven nine million at this time. So I just wanted to mention that that uh, that Mike Reese does have that in his uh, plus I definitely would go to ESPNBoston.com just to see it. It's not that long of a of a piece that, that, uh, that Mike Reese posted. But, again, you know it's actually angered some media members that he actually wrote this. I'm just going to mention that because it kind of blows, blows out of the water their thoughts about the Patriots because the Patriots do spend money, and Mike Reese shows that. All right, guys, let's wrap this up. Before we go, I want to talk to both of you. I want to get a sense from what you guys are writing on PatsFans.com. Derek, what do you have up and coming for PatsFans.com?
2: Well, I've been on vacation the past couple of days, so I'm ready to dive back in some things today. Um, you know, really excited to keep, you know, looking forward to the draft. Only about 30 days away now. Obviously, one of my favorite times of the year. There's, you know, the free agency kind of has died down a little bit, and I think that will pick back up after the draft. You'll see some minor moves here and there, but nothing major. The teams are focusing on the draft, and that's kind of what I'm going to be focusing on, Russ, over the next several weeks. Um, I'm I'm, going to, I'm working on my first mock draft right now. And uh, you know, I think I'm going to be looking at positional needs, how they rank out, and I think that's an interesting discussion, and that will probably be up over the next 24 hours.
1: Oh, That's great. We're starting with the mock mock drafts. Love it, Steve. How about yourself? I've seen you've been you've been you've been pretty prolific recently. So, uh, what do you have in the fire?
3: Well, I just went through some of the different players that the Patriots might be interested in, and rather than focus on you know, pipe dreams of guys who are a top 10 picks. So I, I went for guys that are going to be around in the middle rounds and, and could possibly be those depth guys that we always tend to look toward. And I did a few draft profiles on some of them. And I just posted a uh, – I had it in the can for 10-15. And actually, while we were on the air, that posted. So <laughs> mock draft number three is, right. uh, is on is online now for the Patriots, and uh, I actually for this one, each of them, when you do these mock draft boards and the draft simulators, they tend to vary quite a bit from day to day and, uh, you know, depending on whose big board you take. And this last one I did CBS's, and um, there was a run on defensive tackles really early in this one. So I kind of rolled the dice and went for a defensive tackle in round one, was hoping that one of the good cornerbacks would still be there in round two, and it just so happens that it did. So I encourage you to check it out. And, uh, yeah, it is a lot of fun. This is a, a, my favorite time of year as well because there's so many different possibilities out there. It's it's always fun to discuss them and, and kick things around.
1: Well, no, definitely, guys, and uh, I look forward to to really getting into the draft with you and Steve. I'm just going to come out and say, I, I have the, the player I want the Patriots to draft. I think you're going to know who I'm going to say. It's from Florida State. It's Eddie Goldman. I have to have the Patriots draft Eddie Goldman. Yeah, he, he, was, Eddie gone. Eddie he
3: Goldman. was gone in the first ten picks. So uh, I
1: know, I know, I know, I know. It's a pipe well, dream. I,
2: I um Steve, real quick before we go because we really need to end the show. We need yes, to end we the we show do. before we start getting up on another tangent here. Um, you know, we'll talk about it next week, but, uh, what, uh, is there a player or two that you, that you are really, really interested in in that first round? Is there someone that you, the more you look into that you really think would be a good fit for the team?
3: Well, this, you know, the, the, the guy that's, uh, that's on everyone's board that's shooting up right now is after, his, you know, the combine and his pro day is, you know, Jones from UConn and, uh, Yep. uh, you know, he ran a 4:36. You know, uh, at his pro day yesterday. I mean, that's. I mean, that's blistering fast. I mean, if you can run a 4:36, and this guy has a lot of football smarts. He wasn't really highly thought of before the combine, and he set a world record for the broad jump. But he's not just a, an athlete. He's a. He's a really smart kid. Um, that he was the guy I was hoping that was still going to be there in round two as a cornerback, I think he'd be a really nice fit for the Patriots. I, you know, I like he, he's a high-character kid. He's very uh, he's very smart. The, the only knock on him was that he didn't play against a high level of competition playing for UConn. But I looked at his stats in uh, his senior year. Uh, teams throwing against him had a quarterback rating of 26.4. So wow. sign him up, Coach. Yeah, okay. no, Byron,
2: Byron he's talking about Byron Jones, who was noticed for his athleticism like he was saying, but and I don't think he's a sh- he's a shutdown corner or anything, but he he I have I have seen his name linked to the Patriots um uh, in a lot of recent mocks. you you're kind of I know, I know a lot of fans are kind of scrolling through mock drafts. I've seen his name linked a lot, uh, you know, and obviously sticking uh, you know, we've seen uh Dante Sternecia at Florida State's pro day. I do think there's that Florida State connection you can be looking at. Uh, for maybe a defensive lineman or offensive lineman, um, the guy the guy I'm looking at still um, at, at 32. And you could talk me into Jones, you could probably talk me into Kevin Johnson, Marcus Peters for me is just really intriguing. I, it, it kind of the uh, kind of the opposite of what Steve of what Steve was talking about, a guy who had a really strong senior season and a high character kid. I'm not saying Marcus Peters doesn't have a high character, but he was kicked off the team, um, you know, which obviously brings in the kind of question about him. But I'd also think because I don't think it was really ended that badly because, you know, Washington has had him that allowed him to compete at the pro day. All his teammates talked about how, his, how he would constantly talk to them about what, what he saw on film for upcoming games. So it could have just been a, a maturity issue. Uh, I look at him kind of like a Genora Jenkins a couple of years ago. He had a lot of questions around him, but he's worked out pretty well for the Rams. Um, you know, Peters is a guy who I think has number one cornerback potential and they will be one of those interesting discussions if they're both still available at 32, if the Patriots decide to go, you know, in that direction. You know, are they going to take a guy who is a local talent, who has kept his nose clean and has some athleticism and some versatility? Are they going to look at a guy like Kevin Johnson, who's really really kind of seen diverse? Are they look at Pierce, who's probably the Ross talent? I mean, there's a lot of different directions they could go. All three of those guys I think are intriguing, but, I think what you're getting from Steve Nye is cornerback is probably the, the first need they need to fill.
1: I totally agree with you, Derek, and uh, I'm certainly not against them uh, going after a cornerback early in this draft. And we will get into the draft more in the upcoming shows. Great stuff. Great show, guys. I, I enjoyed this uh, a great deal. I was going through uh, Patriots' fourth and two withdrawal, and this took care of it. Uh, you know, again, we we went almost 90 minutes, guys. I wasn't planning on it, but you know what? We had so much to discuss. It was, um, it was fun. Great job by both of you. Before we go, I want to mention you can download Patriots 4th and 2 in iTunes and can now access on the Radio app, which can be found in the app stores for the iPad, iPhone, and the Android. Also, I'm excited to mention, once again, you can now listen to the show on the TuneIn app, which is a wonderful app that I use frequently. Frequently, excuse me. Please do check it out on the TuneIn app. Well, that's it for this episode. For Steve and Derek, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you again for listening to Patriots 4th and 2.